Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks, and today I've delved into my archives to have a look if there's any interesting content, and I've pulled out an absolute corker. That was probably very racist. I'm not sure what accent that was supposed to be. In 2017, I went to Shetland for three weeks. I spent three weeks up there, and it was an incredible place. If you've never been to Shetland, there is some phenomenal wildlife there. The puffin and seabird colonies, you've got all the rare birds, red-throated divers, and the marine mammals are absolutely incredible. And I think when people think of Shetland, uh, one of the animals that springs to mind are Eurasian otters, because Shetland has the highest density of otters in the whole of Europe. They're absolutely everywhere there. And one man that lives on Shetland has dedicated the majority of his life to watching and photographing otters, and that's Bryden Thomason. So he runs a tour company called Shetland Nature, and he very kindly let me uh, stay in one of his one of his places. So this interview is me and Bryden. We are sat down on the shoreline of Shetland on Unst, and we're not acting. We are actually watching an otter as this interview goes on. There is a video on YouTube if you Google, you know, Bryden Thomason wildlife exposed it should ping up and you can actually watch a very shortened version of this interview with, with video but this is the long version because there's some great stuff that Bryden was talking about but it made a very long video but it makes a lovely lovely podcast so this is me and Bryden sat down in Shetland watching wild otters. With the, with the two tides a day otters can every every tide their, 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 their prey is replenished so they can they can basically do this every tide they just go to the same patches and, and just keep fishing, keep fishing until they fish them out and they move on and then they know that the following tide, you know, the prey is going to be replenished and they can, they can carry on like that. Yeah, he's just opposite the, uh, the sand at the beach now, which has gone down, sorry, there we go. Yeah. So, so what is it about otters that, that get you going, so to speak? <laughs> um, um, I think that, I mean, that this, just sitting watching this fellow just now is, is a perfect example because, I mean, it's a... To be fair, it's a pretty gloomy, it's, a pretty uh, gloomy dull, dull shit. I wasn't going to get the day. suntan lotion out just yet. No, <laughs> no there's no fear of that. Um, but yeah, you can be watching an otter in the day. Just nothing else around. It's the wet, the the grey. I mean, you, you're just transfixed on on that little mammal out there. And um, yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't really matter what the situation. I often think anyway that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life either at the time or around you, stresses, pressures, whatever it might be. You go out and spend time with otters, um, and you just everything else is a little grey seal pops yeah. up there. <laughs> Every, everything else just disappears as soon as you look through the binoculars or through that through the viewfinder at an otter. Can everything else that that's on your mind just goes? You're yeah. just you're just completely consumed by them. So, for people wanting to to get pictures of otters, are there any tips or any ways to go about it? Um, with otters, more so than so many species, especially with photography nowadays, otters, photographing otters, it's, it's proper old school photography and field craft. Field craft and subject knowledge comes into it way more importantly to begin with than any sort of elements of uh, you know, technical aspects of photography. Um, because as we talked about earlier, because they're so shy and sensitive, um, getting into a photographable position is, is the challenge first and foremost. In, which is also one of the big attractions because it's no, it's no easy. You don't just walk to some place and sit yourself down and start photographing otters. You've got to, you've got to work at it. And you've got to. There's a real build-up to it. Do you know what I mean? You're, um, you've got to, got to be really careful. Um, 
like we talked about the wind direction and the, all the elements that they that they have to sort of have an upper hand on you. I suppose in a way it makes it all the more rewarding when you do get that shot, when you've put all the time and effort, all the field craft into it yeah, and you get yeah, that, that shot yeah. of that off, it's going to make totally, it, yeah. it makes better. It all the better, yeah, because you know you've had to work at it and you, it can be quite physical as well, quite demanding. I mean, along this kind of coastline, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you've got a lot of things to be, to be keeping in mind. I mean, you keeps you fit, doesn't yeah, it? Walking up and down the Shetland coastline. <laughs> it certainly does. But you, you've got to, you've got to sort of keep your eye on the, on the author. Because obviously you, you need to be in position. If, for example, it's foraging with this guy, yeah, we would we would always be trying to keep opposite on the shore, um, with the wind taking our scent away, and um, keeping up with that sometimes when an author's on the move foraging. It's no no so they can easy. They go at some pace, can't they? As they well, can you know. when, they, when when they're on the move. If they're um, especially if they're coming ashore, we pray because mm. um, most of the prey that they'll catch and eat, they'll consume on the surface things like maybe three four inches long. But any 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 bigger prey or awkward prey like a crab, for example, <clears throat> they'll um they've got to bring it to shore, and that's actually the majority of photos you see of authors uh, are people shooting them when they're with prey on on the shoreline and on a, on a seaweed covered rock because they'll bring bigger stuff in to, to eat on the shore. Are they quite fussy? I mean, will they eat most things, or have they got favourites? Um, they, they've got a fairly wide fairly wide variety of, um of, of prey that they they prefer. Um, most of them, pretty much all of them, are bottom bottom feeding fish. Um, things like eel pout, butterfish, rockling, lump suckers. I mean, there's some some really big prey actually. You see them catching things like conger eel, um, ling, even octopus and squid. You see them catching those, which is really exciting to see them catching it. Sound like a bad diet, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah the um, but most of, most of the prey is around maybe a dozen or so species um, and some some have a particular um, particular taste or a, or a specialism in, in particular prey but generally speaking it's, it comes down to about a dozen especially eel pout that's the one sort of main staple of they really like those yeah they really yeah. do yeah so obviously you've, you've been out hundreds of times where it's fair to say photographing otters is there one encounter or, or one picture that you've taken when you've been out that really really stands out for you um, I think that'd be, it's a very difficult one to answer that really because um, when you've spent so long with your favourite subject it's, um, and you've shot them so much it's, you know, it's really hard to pick one particular encounter yeah, of course, but yeah. I suppose the things that I always find are, are really special is um, mums and cubs, young cubs particularly because that's <laughs> obviously Young cubs is, is you've got is the so cute, cute factor, haven't you? Yeah, when you absolutely. Got it. It's, um, but also, I mean, uh, any sort of behavioural stuff. I mean, I mean, I've been watching authors for over or thirty years in Shetland now, um, and you do, you, you know, you 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 gain experience all the time. But the, there's always something new that you see with authors. That you know, there's always going to be something that surprises you. It might be a, a new species of prey you see them catch, or a, a behavioural thing, or a some sort of social thing between different authors in an area. There's, there's always something happening that really, really surprises you. Um, but yeah, photographing them in snow actually, that's that's a really special thing. Um, to see how playful they are and how they, I mean, just basically photographing any wildlife in the snow is um Yeah, it decides something else, doesn't it? It adds a whole different dimension. But authors, certainly here in Shetland, we, we get so, so little snow. 
winter. But we can we can go a whole winter without a proper cover in the snow, which is a, a shame. But if you, um, so often when you do get that little window, that wintry snap where there's where there's a good cover in the snow, it might be the wind direction, it might be logistics of travelling to the author site you want to be at. You can just you can miss that opportunity so easily. Um, so photographing them in snow is a very hard and very rare thing to do, and I've only actually managed to photograph them properly. I mean, I've tried a few times, yeah. <laughs> as as you you know, as often the way we photography have, have failed miserably quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. There's a but, few failures when we but, go but, out. But um, but yeah, I've, I've only successfully photographed them really well just a couple of times in, in all the time I've been photographed. So presumably, it's it's mostly long lenses and things like that, is it, for the otters, or is it? depend on the situation yeah I mean I think um, you're always I mean when folk ask what lenses to bring when, when we're shooting authors then I'd always basically I'd always ask them to bring their longest focal lengths yeah, um, yours is a bit bigger than one it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it does the job this is the smaller one actually all right <laughs> um, but no, the, the, the beauty with long lens photography, we, uh, we any sensitive subject is the longer your lens, the, the further back you can be. Because yeah. um, with otters, I always emphasize how important it is that they, they, they have to come first. They always come before, before the images came out. That, um, yeah, you've got, you've got to be like that. Definitely. Oh, totally, with, with any photography. But um, obviously when you're obsessed with a species, it's, it becomes more important to that, that one that you're involved with, I suppose. But, but yeah, um, so yeah, long lens stuff is, is he's, he's coming best. coming closer in. Sorry to no, no, he's just dive um, down there. He's just near the black rocks. Um, he's un under a still, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, just just, on just poked his head up. There we go. See the, this distance, we there's not just that much motion on the water today, no. and it's still quite. You can you, you can, can definitely forgive how could, if you were walking along and missed that. Oh, but yeah, yeah, you could easily. Um, <coughs> But yeah, the, the, the long lens is definitely the way to go for, for authors. Um, um, ideally, a zoom lens is, um, you know, I mean, a lot of people are shooting me things like the 80 to 400 or the 100 to 400, 200 to 400. These lenses are really good for authors. Sometimes the reach isn't quite enough, but being able to sort of, you know, have that have that range, have that focal range that you can, um, you can maybe include a bit of habitat or, you know, just, obviously most people just want to get <laughs> close in portrait yeah. shot, but you, you, you might want to get a bit more creative and show a bit of the landscape, a bit of the environment. I think they're becoming more popular, those sort of shots as well. Where, I mean, it's lovely to get those full frame shots, but just showing a bit of context and a bit of environment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, I think more and more folk are recognising that sort of, obviously a lot, a lot of portraits, your sort of imagery out there, but more and more people are seeing the, I think, bringing in the environment to because that, that tells the whole whole bigger story to, yeah. to that species, whatever the environment, the habitat might be. But it's it's a difficult thing to do with authors. Um, trying to bring in any any kind of those kind of shots, it's a very, very hard thing to do, actually. Um, and obviously, a smaller, like a, maybe a 200mm, that kind of thing, or um, a wide angle would be... The, the images I have in my head that I want to take of authors, yeah. <laughs> you know, just... But getting getting close enough to them to use a wide angle, yeah, it's it's really really hard. I mean, yeah. you you might end up in that sort of situation on occasion. It's rare to get enough head otters just basically coming coming to me feet without because we talked earlier about their, their how short sighted they are. Yes, yeah. I mean, just two days ago actually we we had a situation where we had a, mu a mum and cubs. We were in the we had the wind uh, you know blowing on shore 
um, every, everything was going right for us. But she actually doubled back around us um, and came, you know, she, she came literally within two metres of us. It was, yeah. a, it was an incredible, um, incredible distance for us. Those are the but, encounters that we go out for, really. Yeah, totally, yeah. But I mean, in that kind of situation, when an author's going to be close enough for you to get any sort of wide angle stuff, you're really you're at the stage where you've had to stop shooting anyway because you know the shutter, the sort of movement, yeah. anything is gonna is gonna make them aware of you, of you being there. So you've really got to kind of be careful with that kind of thing. Does quiet mode make any difference? Or, I mean, are they still gonna? Well, I mean, as, as you as you know yourself, that, that quiet mode on, on most of these cameras nowadays it's getting better, but yeah, it's it's, not... it's still no um, Need some more. on the mainstream, but um, bodies anyway. I mean, things like the. These new mirrorless cameras—they're—they're they're incredible, actually. Yeah. yeah I've, I've been out with a few folks with some of these mirrorless cameras, and it's—it's it's unbelievable. I mean, just the continuous mode, just they're shooting away on you know, 11 or 18 frames a second, and you can't even—you don't yeah. even well, know I mean, they're shooting. P500 that we're, we're using—I mean, that's yeah. 10 frames a second, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Cracking cameras. I think we couldn't get any wetter if we jumped in the sea right now. So, should we get a cup of tea and a bit of cake? That sounds like a grand idea. Yeah. Let's do it. Nice one. And what a lovely bit of cake that was. We went to Victoria's Vintage Tea Room on Unst and it was just a brick of cake. It was gorgeous. I mean, my, my heart slowed down a little bit after eating it, but it was really, really good. And I think Bryden's passion comes across beautifully in that. He lives and breathes otters, obsessed with them, spends hours and hours with them. I think he thinks he is an otter sometimes. I can just imagine him like Daniel Craig from Casino Royale rising out of the water, but, but with a butterfish in his gob. So... He loves his otters. And that brings me on to Nature Reserve of the Week. And I'm going to be talking about a Shetland Nature Reserve. I thought that was pretty apt for this one. And that is Hermaness. Now, Hermaness is a national nature reserve. So you don't have to pay to go on it. You just park up at the bottom and you walk up along a boardwalk. One thing I would say is that it's a solid walk. I mean, I'm, I'm a relatively fit and healthy individual. And it takes me a while to, to get up there, let alone... Um, anyone else and there is there is a boardwalk so you're not having to walk on the moss which would make it a little bit tricky but if you're not physically fit or you can't walk very well then this nature reserve you're gonna you're gonna struggle with but once you get to the top it is just a feast for the senses there are a hundred thousand breeding seabirds it's one of the uk's largest seabird colonies it's also the most northerly point in Britain, and it overlooks Muggle Flugger, where there's a little lighthouse on there. And I think Muggle Flugger is such a great name for it, for a little island. It sounds like something Samuel L. Jackson would say when he's pissed. But it's a great uh, a great viewpoint to see there. If you're a landscape photographer, there's plenty to get there because you're nice and high up. As well as the seabirds, there's also a, a wealth of bonksies, of great skewers, and this is one of the best places to get images of those. You can see them from the boardwalk, you can see them nesting. There's also lots of other ground nesting birds there, like skylarks and things like that, so you can see them displaying um, you know, in the summertime. And if you're into your wildflowers, now I'm not particularly a botanist, but there are lots and lots of rare flowers on Hermaness, so if you're interested in those, it's a great place to go and see them. I think the seabirds are the main attraction, if I'm honest, and you smell the colony before you get there. It's a very kind of potent smell of, of, of just shit, basically, but you can get a good whiff of that. And gannets are numerous. It's white with gannets. And if you go there in the evening, you might be lucky enough to see some puffins. Uh, the, the numbers have been declining, sadly, just like they have everywhere, really. But it's a great place to get good shots of puffins. There are other seabirds, but typically they're a lot lower down the cliffs and they're not really 
um, in, a, in a position for you to get pictures or, or get particularly good views of them. But the gannets, the puffins, they're the two kind of major superstar species, if you like. Now, with Shetland being incredibly remote in itself, the nature reserves are lacking in facilities. And you just have to take that for what it is. It's not something I would mark down. I'm not expecting a five-star calf and things like that. But there are no toilets there. There's no nowhere to get anything to... I mean, I think the nearest one... I think it's called the final stop. So you can get like, you know, a pat lunch or something like that. And I definitely recommend taking some water, a flask of tea, or maybe something to eat. Because by the time you get up there, you're absolutely shagged and you need something to kind of boost your your energy levels. So definitely take that up with you. Would I recommend it? Definitely. If you're going to go to Shetland, Hermaness is a one-stop must uh, visit place. It is absolutely phenomenal. And that brings me on to my final thoughts and, and a couple of questions. Um, I have got some questions from Instagram, so I'm just going to answer those. So one is from Sophie Beswick, and she's put, Hi Jack, <laughs> um, I just was wondering how I get to be as famous as you? Question mark. Sincerely, comma, Sophie. Um, well, I assume Sophie's taking the piss, really. I mean, I'm, I'm not famous, am I? I've just filmed a few fish shagging and that, that's about it. Um, but you know, Sophie, if you just keep trying, maybe if you win win a competition in in the Scot in Scotland or something like that, you might do all right. Um, she just won a, a film film award in Scotland, I think. So, yeah, you know, just keep plugging away. At it. Maybe do a degree or something. You might you might just be all right. Uh, this is Mark Fox photo, and he's put what gear uh, you're using to set it up. And Mark was was at uni with with me and Sam and, and a few of us. So again, someone else um, that I know. That what I'm using for this podcast is I'm using a Yeti mic, which I really recommend for voice recording. That's what I'm using for this. I've then got a little, um, I forget what these are called now, a little diffuser thing. And it just helps with P's and S's, I think. It's like a little uh, fan thing. I can't remember the bloody name of it. I'll take a picture and, and post it on social. And then I'm using Order City to edit this. Now, again, my, my audio editing is not phenomenal, but I do it to at the point where it's it's relatively comprehensible and that's it relatively simple setup um, I just smash these out and I'm in in my bedroom it's probably a very wrong phrasing smash it out in my bedroom but um, this is <laughs> god devolving now I'm at the end of the podcast um, but that's basically what I do it's a relatively easy setup for that um, my final thoughts basically I'm going to try and do some more archival stuff I'm going to dig out some some things I'm going to see what I can get and hopefully you've enjoyed this um, maybe it's given you a taste to go to Shetland, see some otters, go to Hermaness and just enjoy uh, what a wonderful place it is. So thanks for listening. Really appreciate you listening to this and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.